That was a good, great lead-in song, uh, Kobe. It's almost like we planned that. I know we didn't, but... That's such a great lead-in song. It's almost like we planned it. Um, man, I was just super. I'm just thinking about that, that lyric at the end of that song, just the, but just the whole concept of us needing Jesus to, to, to do in us that work of uh, you know, I need you, Jesus, to come to my rescue. What else can I do? Can I say? It's not something that we can do. And, and this whole idea that, that we're working on right now, the concept of trying to, to even see Jesus and his character and understand, you know, who he is and allow the Holy Spirit to affect change in our hearts as a result of that, that's such a hard process because we've got so much that we bring to the table that... Uh, that we were singing about there just a minute ago. You know, come to my rescue. Uh, you know, this world has nothing for me. When I think about the world, when we, when we mention that or even say that statement, I know a lot of us, probably our, our minds immediately go to the world in the sense of the things of the flesh, like possessions and money and things that money can buy, uh, you know, uh, sins of the flesh, but today, my mind went somewhere else because I know what the message is and because I know where most of us are. Our problems are not so much, I mean, it is that. All of us have that, right? Right? Okay. Uh, but it's also the sins of self-righteousness. It's the sins of trying to be good enough to get something from God, and that's where we end up today. Uh, just this whole idea of, God, we desperately, and most of us, I think more desperately, need for God to do something in that area. We have tried to continue to earn something from God, like what we do or what we have to offer God makes a difference instead of just being totally dependent upon God. So we need Jesus to rescue us. And today we're going to see in this passage uh, how Jesus does that with the disciples. Uh, I've never preached these two passages back to back. I don't know that I've ever preached either one of the passages. I haven't been preaching long enough to... I preached through the whole Bible, but I know I have studied these before, but I've never connected these two passages or two stories today that we're going to connect. And and in looking at Jesus and his interactions with uh, the disciples in both of these encounters that we're going to look at today, we're going to see that Jesus is dealing with the disciples in a way that we need to be dealt with today. Jesus is doing something to rescue, literally, to rescue the disciples from themselves. I love the fact that we read, too, today the Matthew passage of taking my yoke upon you and learning from me because that whole concept of letting Christ's righteousness be the yoke that we take on, letting his righteousness be what we are determined to to, uh, cry out to God with. You know, God, you look at the righteousness of Jesus, not at, at, at our own goodness. To, to be able to, to, to rest in him, that there is rest there. And what's unfortunate for most of us is we spent the majority of our lives trying to be good, trying desperately to work hard to, to earn something, feeling like that God would not be pleased with us or that, God, that it would in some way change God's opinion of us or God's treatment of us if we don't work hard when that, the opposite is true. And we'll see it in the story that if you think you, that you can earn something from God, you've missed the whole point. God has freely given us everything in Christ Jesus. He's given us his righteousness. 
He's given us salvation, yes, but he's also imputed his righteousness to us. God made him to become sin for us so that we could be literally made the righteousness of God in him. That idea and concept was so hard for not only the Pharisees to get, but it was hard in the, in the Jewish people, the practicing Jews and the religious leaders, but it was hard for the disciples to get. And today we're going to see that. And I think we can find ourselves in the story in this way today. I think we find ourselves in the, in the, as disciples who are walking with, trying our best anyway, to walk with Jesus. And when I say trying, I'm not saying trying to work hard, but trying to follow Jesus, trying to abide in him, literally, just to, just to make enough time every day to, to get quiet, to read, to pray, to ask God, to, to pay attention during the day and the busyness of all the distractions and, and just the busyness of life, to, to try and stay focused on the moment-by-moment promptings of the Holy Spirit in our lives and walking with him in life, that we are trying to do that, and we find ourselves still in the same place the disciples find themselves in this day with Jesus. So let's look at it together. The title of today's message is Jesus Brings Us to Total Dependence, or we can say Jesus Rescues Us from Our Independence, if you want to, since we went to rescue today. But this, this message is so strong and, and so connected to that, uh, to that course that God led Kobe to, to lead us in today. So let's engage our hearts and minds in the Word. And let's, let's, if, you, if you'll agree today to really work with me, to find yourself in the store, then say, I will. Okay, let's do that. All right, this is not, uh, we don't want this to just be an exercise in futility where we come and we hear and we walk out and we're not, we're not engaged and we're not letting it touch our hearts and change our lives. Okay, so let's work together. Mark chapter 10, uh, verses 13 through 16. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked him. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on him, on them. So first story. Most of us are familiar with this story. Uh, parents are trying to bring their children to Jesus that he might bless them. And Jesus rebukes his disciples. And he, he, he rebukes them uh, for their exclusiveness. And for, in, in two different ways, I think that there's two problems here that Jesus is addressing with the disciples. The first one is that they were communicating to people by excluding these children, they were communicating to the parents and to these children that Jesus accepted people based on who they were. That's a problem when we're trying to understand and know the character of God. And, and sometimes we do that. We, we tend to leave certain people out as a, even a possibility that, that Christ could touch their lives and change their hearts. People that maybe we think are just too far gone. They're too far gone in sin. They're too far gone in their self-righteousness that, that they can actually wake up and, and that their eyes can be opened and they can see the reality that they are accepted. But, but the, one of the big problems, I think, in this, this uh, story that Jesus is rebuking the disciples for is they're, they're communicating a false truth about Jesus. And that, that is that he accepts people based on 
who they are. And the second thing, it's tied to that one, and that is that the disciples still believed that. They still believed that there was something in themselves that, that allowed them to be able to come into, into Jesus' presence and hang out with him and be with him and walk with him and sleep with him and eat with him, and that these children didn't possess whatever they possessed. So somehow, these losers forgot that they were losers. You know, Matthew's forgetting that he was at the tax collector's booth when Jesus was passing by and saw him and reached out to him. You know, I don't know what Peter's thinking. And Jesus was preaching and Peter was washing his nets. It wasn't having anything to do with it. Had Jesus not come to him and engaged him, he, he was a fisherman, a nobody. They had already been rejected by the religious leaders of their day. They were not disciples of rabbis. And Jesus came to them. And so I think we need to hear that today, that Jesus rebukes the disciples for their exclusiveness, and we need to recognize that some of us are still stuck in that. Not only do we still see that some people in our minds are unreachable and we write them off that that Christ is not going to reach them, consequently, if we do that, we are making a judgment that we are better than them because Christ has come to us. And so let's receive that today. Jesus is trying to get the disciples to understand that, and and we're going to see throughout this this day of at least two encounters, that, that Jesus is communicating a message to, to the disciples, and that is that, that they need to get to the point of total dependence upon him. They are still at the point where they think there's something about them. The fact that they'd given up stuff, the fact that they had left their, their jobs and followed him, the fact that they were, were spending every day with him, they, they thought themselves to be qualified in some way because of their actions. So what does Jesus do? He commands the disciples to get out of the way. He commands them to get out of the way. This is Jesus' his immediate response was to get to these kids. He commands the disciples to get out of the way. He was indignant toward them. Jesus had anger towards his disciples for their actions. If you still believe that you're earning something from Jesus, you're, you're contradicting, contradicting the truth of the gospel. And that uh, Jesus is indignant about that. It results in us missing the truth about Jesus, and it results in us judging others, which is going to keep them from seeing Jesus. And as a church, man, if there's anything that we can offer as a gathering place within the distinctives of our church, that, uh, that in abiding in Christ... It's all about him showing himself through our lives. It's him revealing himself through our obedience to him. So Jesus sees this in the disciples, and he commands the disciples to get out of the way, immediately responding to these children and blessing them, showing his acceptance of everyone. So Jesus reveals his acceptance of those who had nothing to offer him, but simply wanted to have their, their children blessed. They, they saw Jesus as a prophet, beginning to see Jesus as a prophet. Remember last, last week, the story prior to this one was that Jesus heals a man who is born blind, and he tells him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And because he told him to go wash and that he would see, and he came back seeing, that is a qualification of a prophet, one who speaks something and it comes true. And Jesus is beginning to be seen as a prophet, and so... They see Jesus as a prophet, and they, they, they knew that Jesus, 
could speak God's blessing regarding their future for their, uh, for their children. And so he wanted them to speak the will of God for their lives, much like Jacob did with Ephraim and Manasseh. But are you seeing the pattern here? Connect last, last week's story with this week's story. A blind man who sought Jesus and had nothing to offer, couldn't even see Jesus passing by. But Jesus, as he was passing by, saw him. Had nothing to offer. Remember, we talked about that last week. I hope you, last two weeks, I hope you have settled that in your heart. Jesus' character doesn't change. He wants us to know that he accepts everyone, not those who have something to offer him, but everyone. He comes to us, and the quicker we can get to the end of ourselves, the better we're, we are prepared for him to come to us. And so he's, he's again bringing that up. The disciples should have learned that in the story of the day before when they saw a man who had nothing to offer and they saw him and saw the results of that, you know, the, their, their false doctrine told them that that man was born in sin or his parents had sinned, something happened, or that he had sinned or his parents had sinned. And Jesus corrects that. But they, and though they, they understood it to a certain degree, they had not made application of that truth to their lives. So now Jesus is taking that message to another level. Somehow the disciples got the feeling that though Jesus accepted a blind man, he must have been, it must have been a special favor or something in that moment for one man. Something out of the ordinary for Jesus. They didn't understand that this was who he was. This was his character that he reaches out to people who have nothing to bring. They were still probably thinking, obviously, in some way that they had a special place in Jesus' life because of their commitment level, because of the, all the experiences they had with Jesus. So, so Jesus is taking it to the next level. Now he's going to get into the heart of the disciples. He's going to bring them to the point of total dependence because they're not there. Even though Jesus has made it clear by his actions, and if you, if you look at his life and you're able to somehow detox from all of your preconceived notions about who he is and who he accepts and doesn't accept, uh, you can see it, but then they haven't done that, and they can't see it. So Jesus has this new encounter, this new opportunity, and he takes full advantage of it. He begins to teach them. So he announces. The conditions necessary for entering the kingdom of God. Look at what he says. You must become as a child. A child being blessed. Nothing to offer. Coming to Christ for a definition of your future. And for his touch coming in faith like in childlike trust. To sit on the lap of God. And then he adds this. Or you will not enter the kingdom of God. Now he's got their attention. (laughs) There's no other way that you can come to Christ and enter into the kingdom. You can't come bringing your your works, bringing your righteousness, bringing your good stuff and, and say to God, see how much I've done? Aren't you impressed? You have to come as a child or you can't even enter. You can't be a part of the kingdom of God and be all about yourself and your own righteousness. And the disciples allowed the children to come, but they didn't receive the truth of what he said. It becomes obvious in the next encounter that Jesus has with this rich young ruler. It's, it's obvious to me as we read this story, I think you'll see it, that Jesus is bringing the disciples somewhere in their faith journey. It's a, a vital discovery for them that's going to be necessary for the perpetuation of truth. 
It's a discovery that they're about to have in this story that we also desperately need. We need this discovery today as disciples of Christ. And that is that Jesus brings us to total dependence. God, rescue us. Where else can I go? We need you to take us to the point of total dependence because we are still walking in this half grace, half works uh, type of lifestyle where we're, we're half dependent upon the blood of Christ and we're half dependent upon our own goodness to get anything from God or to get something from God. Am I right about that? Say, oh yeah, if you believe it. We're all there, still trying to be something, still trying to do something to impress God. So Mark chapter 10, Jesus has another encounter. He sets out from there on his journey in verse 17, uh, Mark 10, verse 17. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not fraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I've kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. Disheartened by this saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. So first of all, notice, it said as he was setting out on his journey, as as he's setting out from this encounter that he just had with the disciples and these parents bringing their children to him, and this lesson that that he tried to teach the disciples, or he taught, that they didn't catch, a rich man runs up to him. The first thing he says is, good teacher, to which Jesus clearly says, I am not good. Only the Father is good. Now, Jesus was perfect, right? Right? Jesus was perfect, and yet he says, I'm not good. Only the Father is good. The good perfection that you see in Jesus. This is the interpretation of what he's saying here. You go to John chapter 5. We've already studied this. But Jesus says, I do nothing on my own. I only do what the Father does. Whatever the Father does, the Son does. And he loved, because he loves me, he shows me what he's doing. And, and all the way through the book of John, we've studied this numerous times. And it's in the abiding cycle. But all of these encounters where Jesus is giving credit for something, he says, it's not me. It's the Father. A few weeks ago, we looked at the the festival of booths, and Jesus shows up at, the, at the, uh, the temple and begins to preach, and they all say, how does he preach this way when he's had no, no teaching? And Jesus says, it's not me, it's the Father teaching through me. Jesus is very consistent <clears throat> in this, giving us the example that, that it's all about the Father. It's not us, even Jesus The perfect son of God took no credit for his actions. And yet we are crying out, God, look at us. Look at us. Look at what we've done. And Jesus the whole time is saying, it's not me. It's never me. And when people try to give him credit, he takes no credit. So Jesus says, why do you call me good? There's no one good. He's teaching the disciples this lesson, a lesson that we need to learn. That it's not our goodness 
that God is looking for. It's our dependence upon him that he's looking for. Jesus was perfect for one reason. It's because he was totally dependent upon the Father. He did nothing on his own. He only did what he saw the Father doing. He totally adjusted every moment of his life, every second of his life to the Father. He was perfect at that. And so we see the Father manifested in the life of Jesus in every word that he speaks and every action that he performs. We see the Father. And so the disciples needed to hear Jesus say that in the wake of, of this teaching of about coming as children to him. They needed to hear Jesus say, I am coming to the Father like a child. Jesus has nothing to offer except obedience. His followers have in turn nothing to offer. And so he'll make this clear as he deals with this rich man. The rich man asked what he needed to do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus said, you know the commandments, and begins to call them out. And the man responds, by telling Jesus that he had kept all of these since his youth. And the disciples are probably in the background thinking, oh, no wonder he's wealthy. He's kept all the commandments since his youth. I guarantee you this is for the disciples. And we're going to see it in the end of this story. The, the, the disciples are thinking this man is wealthy because he has been obedient. He has kept all the commandments because they absolutely tied anything positive that happened in the life of, of any person to God's favor on them. And anything negative, as we saw last week, to God's to sin. In fact, God made it clear last in the last story, in the last encounter they have with the blind man, that it's not this man's sin or his parents' sin that has caused him to be born blind. It's so that the works of God might be made manifest in him. And same story, but the disciples didn't get it. And he's still driving this message home. And, and church, look, He's driving it home for us. We need to hear it. We're, we are just like the disciples. We're so prone to add our works. And Jesus says it's not works. Let me make it clear. The disciples are thinking, oh, yeah, this man kept all of the commandments. He's, that's why he's wealthy. And Jesus was thinking instead, this guy's not understanding the point of my question. I'm not applauding him. I'm trying to get him to see that he isn't keeping the commandments. I'm trying to get him to get to the one that says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he he never says that one. And I don't know if the man cut him off before he ever got to it. He didn't want to hear that one, maybe. But he had not loved the Lord his God with all of who he was. And no man ever did. And the teaching of Jesus is a a progression in in the Gospels where he's leading people to the end of themselves. He's not leading us to the point where we can feel good about ourselves or that we think that we can do it on our own. He's leading us to the point where, he, where we would confess and realize that we are totally dependent upon him, on his sacrifice, on his perfection to be offered in our, on our behalf. And so Jesus brings this man and the disciples to total dependence. He says, one thing you lack, sell everything that you have and give it, and give it to the poor and come and follow me. And the truth is, if that man would have been willing, it wouldn't have been his action that would have, would have made him right before God. It would have been the heart behind the action. Jesus is getting to this man's heart. He's getting him to total dependence. He's getting this man to the place where he can confess he has nothing to offer. But the man didn't get it. And if he'd been willing, his heart would have been changed from works to grace. And he would have been enlightened regarding his inability to inherit eternal life by works. 
He would have been filled with joy at the provision of Jesus of those things. And he would have been like a child receiving the kingdom of God from Jesus. Instead, he's described as disheartened. And he walks away with his wealth and without God. This expresses the heart of Jesus for his disciples. He's trying to communicate to his disciples, and and they are not getting it. But when he teaches this, the Bible says that they were astonished, that they were realizing, they, they were now realizing that they had bad theology regarding works and the blessings of God. They, they, they had bad theology regarding what it took to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus had their attention. And so in verse 23, he says this. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. They're astonished. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished. It's like Jesus was saying, they were amazed at first. And then he said, you're not still not getting it. Let me make it very clear. And now they're exceedingly astonished. And they said to him, then who can be saved? You see where their theology was? Now you see it here in the text. Their theology was assuming that, that this man was blessed because he was a righteous man, because he was a good man, because he was doing right actions, and he earned that from God. So Jesus, in the wake of all these experiences, speaks truth. And this is truth that we need to clearly understand today. This needs to be clearly embedded into our hearts this morning, church. We, you know, we are still wishy-washy and riding the fence regarding the grace of God and works, and we need to hear this today because it affects not only the way that we respond to God, but it affects our witness in the community and how we treat people. So verse 27, Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is impossible. That's the point I'm trying to make. With man it's impossible. There's nothing this rich man can do to enter the kingdom of God, but Not with God, for all things are possible with God. And this moment offered Jesus a great opportunity to give the disciples and us a much-needed message. We are totally dependent on Him. He is our only hope. Church, there's nothing that we can do to stop Him from accepting us. And there's nothing we can do to cause him to accept us. Peter still doesn't get it. Peter still hears this wrong, this truth that Jesus reveals on the heels of two experiences and two teachings. And Peter still doesn't get it. He hears wrong, and he's still trying to impress Jesus, or at least remind him that they've done what the ruler was not willing to do. Do is the focus for Peter still. Peter still doesn't quite understand, but he's waiting for a response. And some of us have still not heard Jesus say grace alone. Peter makes it clear. He says, or in the, in the passage, he says, we, we've given up everything to follow you. And Jesus, on the heels of this, in case you don't remember, we, we've given up everything to follow you. So, so we've worked, we, we have done what 
you asked him to do, and, and Peter still doesn't get it. He thinks that if you sell everything you have and give it to the poor, that that's what makes you right. Have you all ever interpreted that verse that way? Have you ever had somebody tell you that the way to salvation is to sell everything you have and give it to the poor? Have you ever had anybody who didn't have as much as you had and they, they made themselves feel good by saying, well, we just are not about things? Have you ever had that? I used to be that guy. Then I went to Uganda and I realized I got a lot of things. <laughs> when I went to see the Williamses in Uganda, I realized how much stuff I got, right? And then you get in this, this you start to see the truth. That you can't be good enough. If we're going to measure ourselves and our righteousness before God based on how much we give away or how much we possess, then we're still workspace. And that's where Jesus is trying to bring the disciples. And Peter still doesn't get it, but Jesus doesn't quit teaching. Some of us still don't get it. On the heels of this, we're going to go out of here trying not to have as many possessions. We're going to go out of here trying to, to work harder, to be better, rather than just to abide in Christ and be totally dependent upon him. Don't miss the message. Peter didn't get it. He doesn't quite understand. Some of us have still not heard Jesus say grace alone. But Jesus summarizes the experience of the day with a teaching about who he is and what he's pleased with. So let's get it. Y'all ready for this? Last passage. Here's the answer. Here's the place that Jesus is trying to get them to and he's trying to get us to. This is the place that Jesus is trying to get all of us today to regarding our dependence upon him. This is, this is what he needs to do to rescue us. This is what he will do. He's, he's very diligent in his work with the disciples. In this day of events, he's taking everything and moving it towards this message of total dependence and trying to bring the hearts of the disciples to a point of total dependence upon the righteousness of Christ. So verse 29 to 31, this is what he says. Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters, or mother or father, or children or lands, key phrase, for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Jesus is saying, truly I say to you, yes, you guys have given up all these things for me, and I'll tell you the truth. Those of you that would give up those things, those possessions, for for my sake and the sake of the gospel, if, if you're giving up those things in order to earn Salvation from God, that is not for the sake of the gospel. That's for your sake. It's not for the sake of Jesus and getting the message of Christ out. If you're trying to do these things and give up stuff in order to impress God and gain something from God, you are, you are teaching, you, are lear- you have learned a lesson contrary to the truth of the gospel, and you are teaching a lesson that is not for the sake of Christ or for the gospel. Do you get that, church? A works-based religion that says that we work hard in order to gain something from God is contrary to the gospel. It is what the Pharisees were teaching. It's the thing that we've, we've learned since January in every encounter with Jesus and the religious leaders. 
It's that thing that contradicts the truth of the gospel that says it's all about Jesus and what he did. And if you would give up anything because your heart has been grabbed by the gospel and you desperately want to share the truth about who Jesus is to a community that desperately needs it because they are locked in to sin that takes the form of the flesh and takes the form of righteous actions in their own righteousness with his filthy rags before God. They desperately need to hear us saying everything is in Jesus. Jesus is the gospel. He is the gospel and everything that he is is what is transforming our lives. In this study, as we've walked through all these different characteristics of Christ that we've seen in his encounters with people, I hope it's doing, I know it's doing for you because you've testified of it in your groups, but what it's doing for us is it's bringing us to the point of realizing who he is and it's changing our hearts toward him. As a result, it's giving us something to communicate. And that something is the gospel. It's the truth about who Jesus is. That's seen clearly in what all that he's done and continues to do in our lives. So for us today, here's our call. Here's our call to commitment. The call call to commitment is this. Call out to God and ask him in desperation today to rescue you from yourself. Call out to God today and ask him to free you up from the bondage that some of you are still in to trying to impress God or be good enough to gain something from God. And instead, just surrender that, surrender that to Jesus and take on his yoke, which is easy, and his burden is light. And let the works that you do in this life flow out of what the gospel is doing in your heart instead of out of some convoluted concept, some diseased idea that you have anything that impresses God. If you have Jesus, you have all you need to impress God. If you don't, you need Jesus. And you need to put all of your trust in Him and all of your dependence upon Him and let Him be for you what you can never be before a righteous Father who is totally satisfied, who says all the righteous requirements of the law have been fully met in Him. So let's think about that this morning as we bow for a time of prayer and a moment of just contemplation and thought. And as you deal with this before God, I want to just encourage you to to be honest about where you are today. We live in in a community that that has has heard the gospel communicated in such a way that has really hidden the truth because our actions and our and our teaching don't match. And so today if you still think you're earning something from Jesus, you're you're contradicting the truth of the gospel. You're you're missing the truth about Jesus and I want to encourage you today to receive that truth. And and receive it in a way that's going to cause your life to be changed today. Accept it. This is truth. It is through, it is in the Bible from cover to cover. This is the story of God. That God did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And he continues to do that today. Let this moment be your moment. 
Let this be the designed moment. Don't miss the opportunity like the disciples did over and over again. This moment offered by Jesus is a great opportunity for you to get a much-needed message. And that is that we are totally dependent upon him. Let Jesus bring you today to the point of total dependence. Father, thank you for, for these stories in Scripture. And thank you for the example of Jesus that teaches us that we are not good. We are not good. If Jesus can say that in all honesty without uh, recognizing good in himself but only seeing you as good, we need to do that today as well. Father, help us to see the truth that, that we have stopped people from coming to you because we think we are better, that we have not included people who seem to be hard to reach because we don't believe that you really can bring everybody to yourself regardless of where they are. Father, I pray for that today, that you would teach us in a way that we would learn. Father, break us today. Bring us to total dependence.